fire. Chaos. The city of Rome invaded by one of her own. She looks on in fear as one who loved her the most invades her in an act of foul treachery. Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. I'm Marie Archway, and I'm going to be telling you the sad story of the fall of the Roman Republic. Last time I hosted, we were discussing the early life and career of Julius Caesar. Now, the thing is, Caesar is most famous for being stabbed to death. In today's episode, we're going to discuss why Julius Caesar kind of had it coming. Now, if you want to have power and influence in the city of Rome, you need to have three things. You need to have money, you need to have military success, and you need to be well-liked by the people. Julius Caesar... He was doing really good with the whole people part, and people really liked him. But Caesar needed more power. So he made two very important friends, and their names are Pompey and Crassus. Pompey was a pretty boy. He was a successful general and had put down the slave revolt led by Spartacus, and Rome really liked him for that. Pompey had been leading military campaigns since he was a teenager, and at the age of 24, which is incredibly young, he even got his own triumph, which is a big parade celebrating the victory that you just had. It's the highest honor any Roman general can receive. It goes without saying that Pompey was not only well-liked by the Roman Republic, but he was also a very successful and impressive general. Our third character in the story today is Crassus. Now, Crassus, in the historical record, is recorded as being very grumpy, but he was also outrageously rich. Crassus had spent the early part of his career hunting down traitors to one of Rome's earlier dictators, who ended up resigning. That's a story for another day. Anyway, Crassus made a lot of money hunting down rebels. And he also uh, invented a fire department for Rome. Now, we kind of take for granted the fire departments we have today, because usually the interaction goes something like, your house is on fire, you call the fire department, they come put it out, Your tax dollars is what pays their salary. However, in ancient Rome, it goes something like this. Oh no! Honey, the house is on fire! Everything's made out of wood, and also we only cook with fire! This is very bad! We're about to lose everything! So you and your wife run outside, and who's there but Crassus and 500 slaves and architects and builders? And he says, hey, for the low price of however low his price was, 
I'll put out this fire and prevent your whole neighborhood from going down. But you have to pay me. And you'd pay him right then and there, or after he put out the fire, you would owe him some money or some grain. The ancient world was a lot more flammable and had just a lot more fire in general. And so Crassus became very, very rich. He had the money part of this equation down pat. So these three powerful playboys in the city of Rome realize that they don't have to compete with each other. They can work with each other. So in 60 BC, they strike a deal. Pompey wants to make his soldiers happy. And there was a bit of a land issue with Roman soldiers in that when you were away on campaign, soldiers could lose the land that they had been, you know, owning. So that was a really big problem in Rome. And actually a lot of fights broke out over that. Anyway, Pompey wants to pay his soldiers with some new land. Crassus, he's never gotten the opportunity to, you know, do the Roman thing and conquer some foreign peoples. So he wants to do that. And Caesar, well, he wants to be consul. And so these three men make an alliance. And this alliance is called the First Triumvirate. And triumvirate means three men in Latin. Very creative, I know. Anyway, so everyone gets what they want. Caesar runs for consul that year and gets to go to Gaul on campaign. We talked about that before. Crassus gets to go to Parthia and fight some people there. And Pompey gets land for his soldiers. Everyone's happy. Everyone very powerful. Now, for a while, this was a pretty good alliance. Caesar was using his political sway to help Crassus get a job, and Crassus was using his money to help Caesar and Pompey, and it was working pretty good. However, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. And by that I mean the Parthians. The Parthians is the group of people that Crassus went off to fight. And what happened was he ended up getting captured by them, and... They poured gold down his throat and said, Chew on that, Crassus. That's your money. You're obsessed with money, and we hate you, and we're Parthians. That wasn't a direct quote, but you get the picture. Hey, uh, editing Maria right now? So I'm reading now that that is probably a myth, how he died. It's more likely that he just, you know, died in battle and lay there with all the corpses. However, it is a fun story. And just to add further in insult to injury, Crassus as a surname means ugly, stupid, greedy, and fat. Okay, editing Maria out. Bye! <laughs>
Crassus gone, there was a bit of a power struggle between Julius Caesar and Pompey. Pompey was not crazy about having Caesar come back from Gaul, so he made a plan with the Senate. This is the plan. Caesar wanted to keep being consul, and typically... Uh, you, re you stay consul for a year, and then you can't be consul again for a long time. But since the, the Roman Republic had been expanding, and it's really hard to train new consuls, people had been being prorogated. Prorogated means you get elected consul, and then a year later everyone's like, you can be consul still. This is what Caesar was hoping would happen, and it happened many times before this point with both consulships and other leadership positions. So anyway, Caesar, he's told you can't be prorogated into consul anymore. You have to come back to Rome and run again and briefly not be consul. Here's another thing about that. When you are in a leadership position in Rome, you cannot be charged with any kind of crime. Which is interesting. Caesar had committed some severe atrocities in Gaul while being at war there and had quite a few war crimes on his head. So, the second he steps back into Rome to, be to run for consul again, he's totally going to be arrested. And Pompey knew this and was pretty excited about it. The next thing that happened was pretty interesting. Caesar was pretty upset about this whole catch-22 that he had been caught in by Pompey and some of the senators. And so, he took 6,000 of his men and marched towards Rome, not as victors, but not quite as conquerors, but something much closer to conquerors than happy sons of Rome. We get this uh, next passage from Plutarch, who writes the life of Julius Caesar. When he, Caesar, came to the river Rubicon, which parts Gaul within the Alps from the rest of Italy, his thoughts began to work. Now he was just entering upon the danger, and he wavered much in his mind when he considered the greatness of the enterprise into which he was throwing himself. He checked his course and ordered a halt while he revolved with himself, and often changed his opinion one way and the other without speaking a word. This was when his purposes fluctuated most. Presently he also discussed the matter with his friends who were with him, computing how many calamities his passing that river would bring upon mankind, and what a relation of it would be transmitted to posterity. At last, in a sort of passion, casting aside calculation, and abandoning himself to what might come, and using the proverb frequently in their mouths, who enter upon dangerous and bold attempts, the die is cast. With these words he took the river. Once over... He used all expedition possible, and before it was day, reached Armenium and took it. Caesar crossed the boundary between Rome and the barbarian world. 
Not as a friend, but as an invader. And that's when the Civil War began. Hearing Caesar's return to Rome, Pompey and his followers decided to do the smart thing and not die, and so they fled to the south of Italy. Caesar chased them, and they had a brief battle at Brundisium, which is kind of in the middle of the boot of Italy. Anyway, Pompey was very close to dying in that one, but his navy came in time, and he went to Greece. Now... This was Pompey's plan in order to combat Caesar. Pompey summoned all kinds of Roman legions stationed in Greece and also uh, allied kings and people like that, and he started building a bigger army to fight Caesar. And he was going to starve Caesar out. Pompey sent legions to Corsica and Sardinia, which are the little islands by Italy, Spain, and North Africa which happened to be the three biggest food-supplying places in Italy. Now, while that was happening, Caesar was also making plans and schemes. While he was in Rome, he took items from the temples to supply his troops and pay them, and he also convinced the remaining part of the Senate that had not fled for their lives that he should be in power, and that Pompey was an enemy to the state, which is hysterical, because if anyone broke any laws here, it was Caesar invading Rome. And to combat Pompey in his new realm, Caesar sent some of his legions from Gaul to Spain, where many of Pompey's best soldiers were, while Caesar himself went to Corsica and Sardinia, which chased out Pompey's legions, and they fled to North Africa, and eventually Caesar took Spain, and so all of Pompey's remaining supporters and Pompey himself end up in North Africa. So this civil war ended up lasting four years, from 49 BC to 45 BC. And that is a long time to be chasing Pompey. And... We, can't, we don't have time today to go into every battle between Caesar and Pompey, but one of the reasons this war was so long is because Pompey and Caesar are both brilliant tactical geniuses, which is really why they one of the reasons why they both became powerful in the first place. This is a quote from Caesar's own account about the wars with Pompey. Also, it's important to know that Caesar talks in the, in the third person, I, I'm sure there's a good reason for that, but I'm not sure. Caesar thought he ought to abandon everything else and pursue Pompey wherever he might have taken refuge after his escape, to prevent him from again being able to gather other forces and renew the war. 
He therefore covered as much ground as he could with his cavalry every single day and ordered one legion to follow him by shorter stages. So yeah, not a really good time for Pompey, uh, 49 to 45 BC. Kind of just everyone chasing each other and fighting each other, literally across the entire Republic. Anyway, this whole war and the whole chasing of Pompey ends up in Egypt. Now, going on in Egypt at this time, there was actually another war happening between the queen, Cleopatra, and her brother, Ptolemy I. They were trying to decide, you know, who should rule Egypt and stuff like that. And it was, uh, you know, not going well. And Caesar and Pompey find themselves in the middle of this war. But they had their own war to fight. Uh, it is important to note, though, that Pompey and Ptolemy I had been uh, allies in the past, and that will come in later. Anyway, so Pompey and Caesar meet each other at the Battle of Pharsalus, and it does appear that Pompey's gonna win this one. He outnumbers tro Caesar's troops pretty heavily. And he gets to perch himself on a hill, and as we all know from Star Wars Episode 3, having the high ground means it's over, Anakin. Anyway, that didn't phase Caesar, though. One thing that is important to note, since Pompey's army was largely made up of, you know, allies, they all didn't speak the same language, and they all hadn't seen as much battle as Caesar's 100% Roman Latin-speaking army, and that was going to play a big role. Even though Caesar was outnumbered, he was not outmaneuvered, and by some really brilliant moves, he was able to not just rout Pompey, but kill almost his entire army. Pompey barely escaped with 30 bodyguards at the Battle of Pharsalus, and he fled north to Alexandria. Even after that, Pompey continued to flee north and went all the way back to Greece, where he picked up his wife and kids. He tried to raise another army and even enter Syria, hoping to raise another army to keep fighting Caesar, but that didn't really work, so he ended up back in Egypt all along. Now, since Pompey had helped uh, Ptolemy Thirteenth's father get into power, he was hoping that Egypt would be a safe place for him. However, Ptolemy Thirteenth thought differently and decided to have people assassinate him instead. In fact, he had Roman people assassinate Pompey instead. And so, Pompey was beheaded and his head was brought to Julius Caesar, who was honestly very sad about the death of Pompey. Not just, even though they had been enemies for so long, they had once been friends, back when the first triumvirate was still in swing. They even were related by marriage. Um, and they also, well, Pompey was a great general, and Caesar could respect a great general. And so, Caesar returned to Rome victorious. 
having vanquished his greatest enemy and competitor. This is what Plutarch says about when Caesar came back to Rome. The Romans bowed their heads before Caesar's good fortune and accepted the bridal, since autocracy was, from their point of view, a pleasant change after civil war and turmoil, and they proclaimed him dictator for life. Now, if you'll remember from Doug's episode a while back about the position of dictator, dictator was supposed to be a government position that was only used for emergencies and could only be held for a short amount of time. However, since Caesar was back, and this isn't the first time, but it's definitely a sad experience that Caesar came back and war had been so horrible for so many years that Rome just chose to have him be in charge. So, it's a little easy to see why a certain group of republic-loving freedom fighters, even though they were some of Caesar's closest friends, might choose to stab a dictator who brought years of civil war. They might stab him in the back. And, consequently, plunge Rome into another civil war, and eventually kill the Republic altogether. But that is a very long story for another day, and we'll talk, we'll talk about it another day. Thank you so much for listening to Archway's Western Civilization podcast today. There were a lot of sources consulted in this specific episode, but if you want to learn more about the Civil War, you can read The Civil War by Julius Caesar, uh, see The Lives of Caesar and Pompey in Plutarch's Lives, and I also recommend the video Caesar Against Pompey, The Great Roman Civil War on YouTube. That video was very helpful, and if you want specifics about the battles and things like that, I highly recommend it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. That's history for you. <laughs>